is going on? It is time for the Awesome Super Bowl Strategy Show. And Matt, I am so thrilled that we get to turn the page on whatever the heck that was yesterday in Sunday's Pro Bowl. Uh, uh, not not a lot of great football being played yesterday, but we were kind of on it as we were saying going in. We we had the Kyle Juszczyk call, the uh, NFC defense scored a touchdown, tons of turnovers. But now, now we are talking about Super Bowl 56, the big game coming up this Sunday, 630 Eastern from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And I am joined on this fine Super Bowl Monday by Matt Gajeski. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. Matt, how are you this Monday morning? I'm doing good, man. I, I enjoyed the Pro Bowl like we were talking about yesterday. Not the most exciting game from a viewership perspective, but if we can play DFS, we can get some action down on these games. It makes it more exciting than any other, and that's just what we did. But now we turn the page and move to the actual game everybody cares about, the biggest game of the year. So I'm really excited to break it down and talk about it with you, Matt. Yeah, and certainly not the matchup we expected at the beginning of the season. Uh, maybe the Rams, the Rams were actually pretty high up there in terms of Super Bowl odds to begin the year, but certainly not the Cincinnati Bengals here. And, you know, that's a great segue into what this is all about today here on Monday, because we're, we're going to have a lot of time to break down the stats, the projections, the, expe the expectations about this game. But today we want to talk about range of outcomes because certainly most people didn't expect the Cincinnati Bengals to be at this point this early with this young of a core, especially in the offensive passing game here. So I do think it's worth it to go through first, why we play to expectations. And, and we'll talk about biggest spreads and things like that, but then we'll go into some, what if scenarios, some different ways this game could go and then talk about what the implications would be from a DFS and betting perspective. So I think it's going to be really, really fun. By the way, I'm Matt Savoka. If you, if you haven't met me before, you can follow me on Twitter at draftaholic and thanks to Jordan Klein behind the glass, helping us out as always. Okay. So you know, one thing I do want to talk about is what we typically do when we're breaking down a game and starting to analyze this, because we want to talk about what is likely to happen before we talk about what could happen here. And so I know you were talking when we were getting ready for the show about Vegas spreads and how important it is to recognize them. Can you elaborate on them and why we use Vegas spreads so much when we talk about projecting a game? Yeah. In a game like football, it's, the single most important piece of information we can get. So obviously the total tells you how many points these teams are going to score, but the spread itself tells you the margin of victory we're expecting for these teams or the margin of defeat. But it also kind of gives you a look into how these teams play. We know from a macro trend level that teams, when they're winning in games, their run rate typically rises. Teams that are playing from behind, they typically embrace the pass a little bit more. Teams that are winning games generally are running more plays, slightly more plays than the league average. And the exact opposite can be said for teams that are trailing in games, which in this case would be the Cincinnati Bengals, theoretically, if this game plays to the spread. And all that is reflected in projections. Projections take the total, they take the spread, and then they account for all those variables that we just discussed. And that's how we end up getting our player projections from there that influences ownership and basically all the tools we're looking at. So it really can't be overstated how impactful the total and the line to these projections and these games are. Absolutely. Well said. And, you know, there are some phrases that I use a lot and we all use around here at Osmo, like game script 
or game environment. And those are all based off of our expectations when it comes to the, the spread and the Vegas total of a game. And so what you're talking about where teams are expected to be ahead, so we expect them to run, meaning that players are in a game environment that is run heavy for one side of the ball. And so in this, uh, in this game, in this uh, strategy show, we're going to talk about the ways that that could be incorrect because I think at this point, everyone knows this is a three point spread. We know that the Rams are favored in a lot of statistical categories as they are in the spread here, but I think it's worth it to go into the what ifs to go into some of the scenarios that are less likely than the most likely outcome, but they are far from unlikely here. And so we've got some scenarios we're going to break down and Matt, be honest with me. Did you know that what if was a, was a Marvel show that was very popular this year? <laughs> no, no, no idea. <laughs> okay, well, I, I at the very least can admit that I got the idea for this show from from the Marvel show, and I haven't I haven't caught all the way up with these shows. I will in the off season, but I did see WandaVision, uh, Captain of the Winter Soldier, and Loki, and I probably put it in that order in terms of how I'm ranking it, saving the rest for after the season. Matt, of course, is is. Have you watched any Marvel movies? Any at all? I'm going to sound really dumb to everybody that likes comics or superheroes is batman marvel batman is dc but okay, batman I've is like the, superhero yeah i've seen the batman movies that's about all the so man, I, the man see, is focused on his football yeah i'm lacking <laughs> category. yeah well it, matt it, it just just in case you you couldn't guess from the title basically what the what if series in marvel was doing was going through different scenarios different outcomes that we saw in the actual through line of these uh avengers movies and their side shoot movies that they they're constantly doing here and so we saw some pretty grim outcomes and we saw some pretty optimal outcomes here and that's sort of what we're going to do here in this game as well we're going to go past the point where, okay, the Los Angeles Rams are favored by three. That means they're probably playing from ahead. So maybe the running backs are a little bit better. Okay. We got plenty of time to talk like that. Let's go in to a couple of these scenarios next, but before we do give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much, much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo plus platinum. Okay. We're going to break down four scenarios over the course of the 55 minute shows here. Scenario one, which is not unlikely, not the most likely, but let's say Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup or Matthew Stafford and Odell Beckham, or maybe even cam Akers or somebody like that breaks open a big player two, And suddenly the Rams find themselves up 10 to 14 points, maybe late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter. How do you think that kind of affects the game flow for this game and what the Cincinnati Bengals end up doing? Cincinnati is one of the run heavier teams. And this has kind of changed a little bit throughout the year, particularly in the beginning of the year. They were very run heavy and they were very run heavy in neutral scripts. So they kind of required negative game script to coax out these really high pass rates. And those are the games where you would see things like Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, T. Higgins have their big games. And you could see this scenario if L.A. just gets the opening kickoff. Their offense is explosive enough where if they go and, and score a touchdown, 
maybe Cincinnati's put into this game script right away. So the, the first big difference between these teams, when one of them trails, I think that drastically changes Cincinnati's pass rate. I don't think we can say the same thing for the Rams, but we'll talk about that later. So the first thing here, I think we want to start looking at pass catchers for Cincinnati if we're anticipating the Rams getting up. I like on DraftKings specifically using pass catchers in these kind of game environments in the captain spot. And we talked about this yesterday a little bit with the Pro Bowl, but just the way that DraftKings scores contests, the PPR bonus, and then the six-point touchdown being just two points more than the four-point touchdown for the QBs, if that production is funneled to one player, there is a chance that the pass catcher can outscore the signal caller in those kind of contests, it will be like pass catchers in the captain. It's going to be Burrow in the utility spot and then just trying to fill out the Rams that might be scoring the touchdowns that gave them that lead. But how do you, how do you kind of envision those scenarios? I definitely think that that's a fine way of thinking about things. And I think that's probably likely. In fact, if they get up by more than 14, the Rams do, I think the Bengals are going to be forced into that game scenario. But I do think we might see a little bit of stubbornness. And what I mean is even if they're down 10 points, even if Matthew Stafford and company have a few quick strikes and it's not quite two touchdowns that the lead gets to, I think the Bengals are still going to stay somewhat balanced and lean on Joe Mixon just because he's been playing pretty darn well. It, not necessarily in terms of overall efficiency, but just like making big plays at big times. Uh, you know, he basically sealed that win late in the game, had 105 total yards actually against Tennessee. So that's, uh, you know, decent. But ultimately, I think that we're going to see a little bit of balance. But if it gets to 14, 17 points, I think you have to start leaning on Joe Burrow stacks. And as you were talking counterintuitively, I'm kind of thinking, isn't this scenario where Los Angeles gets up big early? one of the ways that we actually want to lean on Cincinnati stacks if we are playing multiple lineups? I think so. And just looking at the spread, it's four points in favor of the Rams. You would think a big lead in one direction would be more likely on the Rams side. So Cincinnati playing from that negative game script. And like you said, this is where I think we want to lean into the stacks. And when you're building out the rest of your lineups, it, it probably doesn't matter as much who you're playing on the Rams. We'll talk about them in a second, but we just want the players that are scoring the touchdowns and having the big plays. So that could come in the run game from the Rams. It could come in, in the pass game as well. We don't always know who's going to score those touchdowns immediately. But one thing we can bank on when Cincinnati's down by a score, by multiple scores, is they will increase their pass rate. And in these situations, looking at some of our early tools, they're, they're not all the way updated yet, but I think you can gain a little bit of leverage just by playing some of the under-owned receivers. A guy like Tyler Boyd, I think, is live for the captain spot. We've seen his volume increase when they're playing from behind in games, and we know Jamar is going to be a priority. We know T. Higgins is going to be a priority, but if those guys are somewhat taken away by the defense, and we don't know necessarily how they'll play this, Tyler Boyd's a guy maybe you could take a shot on. C.J. Uzoma, given health, if he's able to get out there, maybe he's a guy you could take a shot on. We've seen all their volume rise in these scripts, but how, how are you kind of breaking down the pass catchers in that situation? Yeah, I certainly think Tyler Boyd, with the fact that Uzoma is iffy to play at best, it actually looks like he's trending towards playing, but really how healthy is he going to be? I think he's going to seed snaps to Drew Sample, who is really a non-factor in the passing game here. And so I do think that there's a possibility that they just 
move to more uh, play designs that have Tyler Boyd featured in the slot here. His expected fantasy points, again, if you haven't heard me talk about expected fantasy points at this point, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But basically, it's just a volume statistic that rolls up targets and air yards and carries and where you are on the field and things like that into a scale that we can all understand fantasy points. So uh, Tyler Boyd's expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks for the Bengals is half of T Higgins. And you can imagine T Higgins is just below Jamar Chase. So we're really talking about a major opportunity drop off Tyler Boyd absolutely can make big plays and we've seen like 60 plus yard touchdowns from him this season but I don't think he's that superb value option I, I, I absolutely think he's in the range of outcomes here that's what we're talking about today but I do think if there's a scenario where the Rams get ahead a lot and the Bengals come back after that it probably involves some big plays from the big two. Am I out of line there? I, I don't know. I just think Chase or Higgins has to go off if they're going to come roaring back or, or mix it. No, you're, you're definitely right. What Boyd does for you that Chase and Higgins don't is he gives you some salary relief. So with Boyd, it's not always does Boyd himself have the 40 point game. I'm exaggerating, but you know, the big score that ships you that captain win or is he productive enough on a price adjusted basis where just the other extra players he allows you to get in your lineups end up being the winning construction. But overall, like you said, if Cincinnati is going to come back from a deficit similar to what they did against Kansas city, I do think it comes via Jamar chase via T Higgins. The reason I bring up Tyler Boyd in a situation like that too, is you could see LA start to play a little more off coverage. You know, they don't want to give up the big play to Jamar chase that the game changing play that occurs in 15 seconds, maybe a guy like Tyler Boyd who operates largely out of the slot and underneath could just pick up some chunk plays, get that PPR value. And I, again, this is a low probability outcome. It's factored into price already. We know Tyler Boyd's not the receiver that Jamar and T Higgins are, but, but just some ideas for you constructing your lineups. And even in, we're, we're talking about specific game scenarios in our what ifs, even in that kind of context, we need to be thinking about how big our tournaments are and things like the Millie maker. I'll be having some Tyler Boyd in the captains for sure. If you're playing the smaller tournament and you're playing the angle that LA's up Cincinnati's playing from behind, but the field is maybe a thousand to 10,000 people. You can definitely just lock in chase or Higgins. I think that's really fair. And we're always contextualizing for contests. Contest contextualization is, is very, very important. I do think, especially in these single entry tournaments, especially there's a lot of casual players who want to enter single entry games uh, for the Super Bowl. It's just natural that people want to play a little bit more. I do actually think building your single lineup towards these game scenarios and having your lineup work together is a legitimate game theory upside that you can have on a lot of the player pool who I don't think is thinking this way in general. They're just thinking about which projections work well together. So I certainly agree with you there that as the field gets larger, Tyler Boyd's captain uh, excitement for me gets gets uh, lar larger as well. That was poorly said but you understand what i meant he was number one in slot snaps this year number nine overall in route participation rate among wide receivers so you know he's like top 40 in targets and in targets per game not superior to anything but like number nine in route participation rate if they are completely smothering higgins and chase boyd is gonna have to step up here 
Now, look, on the Rams side of the ball, let's say they get up early. That probably means one of those big two receivers in Cup or Beckham went off. Is it crazy to go chase it? go and chase that score and try to play a one-off of one of the big two Rams receivers and then have these stacks of Cincinnati Bengals that we've been talking about. For sure. We'll talk about LA and I guess we can kind of talk about them when they're, they're playing from ahead here too. Their passer is one of the highest in the NFL, especially in neutral situations. And we know they have two elite receivers, maybe three, if you want to include Van Jefferson, certainly not elite, but he's serviceable and they have the strong tight end play from Higby. If he's able to go, so we've seen them heavy pass rate throughout the year. You could very well see Cooper Cup catch one or two touchdowns that put them in this game script. You could see OBJ catch one or two touchdowns putting them in this game script. Just because the Rams are leading from the from the outside of the game doesn't mean it was through the run game. Doesn't mean it was Cam Akers or Sony Michelle. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely willing to play a Cup, an OBJ in a lineup that has a lot of Cincinnati pass catchers. That's definitely in the range of outcomes. For sure, for sure. And one thing I do think that we sometimes overthink game scenarios and not to say everyone does this, but sometimes you can say, okay, this team is favored. That means they're going to be playing ahead. That means at some point they're going to be running the ball and therefore I'm playing the running back. Well, wait a minute. How did they get ahead? It's probably through a big play through the passing game, in my opinion. And remember, Cincinnati has played much, much better defensively, but it's not like they've been completely shutting out teams either. Going into the playoffs, they were the worst defense among all qualifying teams for the playoffs in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses right there with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who ultimately met their demise because they were beat deep late with basically no time on the clock, and that's how the Rams were able to beat them. So I do think a big play, either early or late, is really, really in the range of outcomes for Los Angeles. And so I'm definitely going to be chasing situations where no one on Cincinnati's secondary can stop Cooper Cup, and I'm going to have him in the captain spot. And that means I'm probably, if I want to play this scenario and I want to go with Joe Burrow stacks, then I probably have to get a Tyler Boyd. Now, this is an impossible question, and we're probably going to come back around to it. But does this scenario change how you view Chase versus Higgins? Because I think that's the hardest thing to suss out in this entire Super Bowl. It doesn't. And I think that comes down to we've seen them with very similar target shares, very similar air yard shares throughout the year. All that slightly leaning towards Chase. The only narrative-driven thing I think you could talk about in this situation is Chase, I think, is the more dynamic playmaker. And we've seen him get extra carries. We've seen him get, like, screen plays. You know, like, these designed plays. Like, we're going to make Chase a priority. We're going to make sure he gets the ball in his, in his hands, not just on these, these drop-back reads that Joe Burrow has. So I think maybe you see just a little extra volume if they're trailing. For Chase, that is just because, okay, we got to get our best playmaker the ball. But I don't feel strongly about that. And I think that could ebb and flow. For example, if, if they decide – for whatever reason, I don't know necessarily that they'll do this to just shadow chase with Ramsey and put a safety over top. Then you could maybe see more opportunities for Higgins. So ultimately in this game script, I plan on splitting Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I think you're just drawing, you're drawing too thin looking at some of these edges. Yeah, I, I, that's not a bad way to play it, to just mix and match because both of them have insanely high ceilings. Obviously, Chase's usage is a little bit higher. His ceiling probability is a little bit higher. But T. Higgins' actual ceiling, like his, his 10%, top 10% range of outcomes is right there with his teammates. So 
I do think I want to keep looking at this as the week goes on. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is ultimately going to shadow chase. And this is kind of fun because, you know, these teams have had two weeks to prepare. And obviously there is a number one overall cornerback that they, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to do their best to keep their top receivers away from. They're not going to be wholly successful here, but uh, yeah, at this point in the week, it's still really hard to figure out which of Higgins or Chase has that is the better play of the two. Okay, we're going to get into our next scenario here in a minute. But if you if you are a resident of New York, sports betting is now live in your state. Welcome sports betting to your state with some fantastic bonus offers we have available here at Osmo. Just click the link pinned in the live YouTube chat to browse all of our offers, including a bet $10, win 200 if any team scores a touchdown, and a free NBA jersey if you bet $100 with Caesars Sportsbook. You can also take advantage of a $1,000 risk-free bet from N- bet MGM, excuse me, and a up to $1,500 first match deposit bonus with Caesars as well. These offers are too good to pass up, so click the link, the pinned link, and start betting today okay guys we are back scenario two kind of flipping the script here the Bengals take the early lead here and i actually think there's actually more ways we can actually play this one because how the Bengals get ahead i think is more variable than the rams i think if they if the rams get ahead it's probably quick strikes through the air the Bengals could have Joe Mixon go off. And as I saw someone in chat saying that might be the skeleton key to this game. It was John Campbell saying Cincinnati's going to have to run the ball. Otherwise, Donald, Aaron Donald is going to have five sacks and the rest of the team is going to have five more. I mean, Burrow is really taking a lot of sacks in these playoffs. So it would do them very well if Joe Mixon were to go off. But as we were just talking about, these big two receivers are also very capable of breaking this game wide open and doing so early. What is your gut instinct about how this game plays out and who does well in this type of game flow? Like you said, this one's a little tougher to kind of suss out here. And that's because Cincinnati has a pretty high run rate in neutral game script. They also have a very high run rate on first down which we, we all heard Tony Romo last week talking about passing downs, being, being first downs, not running downs. They're plays and in, in down and distances that you want to get your offense in advantageous situations for the later downs. And Cincinnati doesn't necessarily do that. And we talk about their offensive line deficiencies in the pass game all the time, all the sacks Burrow's taken. But this is the run game as well. It translates over to the run game. Joe Mixon has not been efficient on the ground. We've been playing him in DFS and we've loved him from a fantasy perspective because of the sheer volume and now the increased pass game role he's had. But Cincinnati, certainly not efficient on offense, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't have a big play from Chase and he gets down inside the red zone and then Mixon's the one that punches in the touchdown. So like you said at the beginning of this discussion, this is tougher to decipher. I am a little more willing to play some of the Cincinnati runners in this game script, Joe Mixon being the preferred one, just because of their high run rate. And then on the other side, we know LA is going to be pass heavy either way. So it kind of just naturally works into what we already expect from Cooper Cup and OBJ. Yeah, I, man, you know, Joe Mixon, 4.2 yards per carry against the Chiefs in the AFC championship game on 21 carries. He was used in the passing game, three receptions for 27 yards, but he was used basically equally with Samaj P. Ryan, three receptions for 43 yards for P. Ryan with that big 41-yard catch and run that he scored on. Uh, You know, or or I don't think he scored on it, but he had a 41-yard catch and run. That was uh, the biggest play of any running back in the receiving game. 
it's good enough where I think that, you know, maybe they catch the Rams off guard trying to, to blitz or trying to sack Joe Burrow early. And they take advantage of that early aggressiveness and they get ahead here. I think I am going to build a few lineups that have Joe Mixon at captain, certainly, but they're also just based on the Cincinnati offense, just taking a lead through the running game. You know, Los Angeles is the number one defense in the NFL and PFF's team defensive grades, but they are still better against the pass than they are the rush. I think one of the ways this goes really, really well is if Mixon really gets going early. And we know it's possible here. He had really strong stats this season. Uh, and in terms of carries, he was third in the NFL in carries this this year as well. So I'd like to see uh, more usage in the passing game. I'm not expecting that, but I actually think that if I'm going towards playing this scenario, it's going to have a uh, heavy usage of Joe Mixon for me. Yeah, I agree. I I like Joe Mixon in this game script more than I like Cam Akers and Sony Michelle on the other side. And it's not just because they're very run heavy in these game scripts, but overall the Rams are going to split time a little more at the running back position. At least I'm anticipating that. And you mentioned the Samaj P Ryan factor. A lot of Samaj P Ryan's work has come in the past game. And a lot of that's been in specific situations like up tempo, two minute drill, clear third down pass catching scenarios. Joe Mixon, a lot of his pass catches are coming in like, plays that are being checked at the line of scrimmage where they're, they're changing mm-hmm. plays and maybe it's a run play at first, but Joe Burrow identifies something and Joe Mixon just works his way into a pass at and a target because of that. Joe Mixon's a dynamic pass catcher. It's always been confusing to me how they don't use him in that three down role, at yeah. least all the time. But in the event that they're, they're playing from ahead, those are the downs that Joe Mixon has dominated. So you could even see a pass catch here or there that wasn't expected just because Mixon's on the field, no scripts more than P Ryan averaged 21 plus opportunities per game. But like you said, they need to use him in the passing game more often. I wonder actually if that was just their way of limiting snaps and giving P Ryan who did play above most people's expectations for him just a little bit more time on the field, but Mixon being third in the NFL in carries total carries that is and 28th, in total targets, that's just too big of a disparity. And honestly, that might be one way to catch uh, Los Angeles off guard here. Now, I feel like we're going to sound like a broken record a little bit. I do think that if the if the running game for the Cincinnati Bengals goes off, it doesn't mean that the passing game can't go off and say the second half. But I also think we need to talk about the viability of stacks on the Los Angeles side if Cincinnati is getting ahead here are you more likely to play Stafford Beckham or Stafford Cup stacks if you're playing for this type of scenario no I'm going to be playing them regardless <laughs> it's they, just they pass, whatever they pass so much regardless they pass so much when they're 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 sort of like Tampa Bay light in a way they don't pass quite as much I don't think Stafford's had as much success as Brady did but they throw the ball so much like I'm just going to be using LA stacks regardless of game script Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right here. I mean, they were number third for, for just the the purposes of the question, because we are working with six roster spots, you know, like if I, if I captain Mixon, you know, I I just can't use as many players in a potential LA stack. So to your point, I think in those specific lineups I haven't built yet, I will have less acres and less Sony Michelle. So I think naturally it'll just work into slightly more stacks because of the correlation aspect. But overall, I, I plan on stacking the Rams a lot. Yeah, they're just they're just too loaded and 
and have showed so many times this season that they can overcome a bad matchup that you have to play for that scenario anyway. Uh, to your point, they were number two in the NFL in schedule adjusted pass rate on our advanced stats tool and they were number four in the nfl in schedule adjusted pace of play so even when you're adjusting for game script and game scenario exactly what we're talking about here they are still one of the fastest playing teams and one of the most pass heavy teams as you said tampa bay the only team that passed more game script adjusted uh rates there so i think that pretty much sums it up for the bengals early lead scenario here we're going to bounce it right back over to our third one, but we got to talk about our presenting sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is offering daily prop based contests, and you can use promo code AWESOMO to get a first match deposit bonus up to $100. There's no sharks, optimizers, or mass entries. Five player lineups on Prize Picks can net you 10x your entry fees as well. You can use your knowledge of multiple sports like the NBA and the NFL with cross sports entries, and you can download it on on the app store on google play or just play on prizepicks.com and we have free player props tools that can help you for prize picks on awesomeo.com and right now you can get one free month of awesomeo plus platinum when you sign up and make a deposit at prize picks you will receive an email within 24 to 48 hours after to redeem your free month of awesomeo plus platinum okay Scenario three, and this one you specifically brought up because not because it's super likely to happen. Again, all of these are way less than 50% likely to happen, but probably all more than 10%. We saw in the uh, the Rams Patriots Super Bowl a few years back, this exact game scenario, offenses that were capable of putting up big points, but that certainly fell under expectations. We're calling this the defensive slog scenario for us. So if that's the case, if the defenses are dominating, how does that change your opinion? We'll start with the Rams side of the football. So is this just a low scoring game environment we're looking at with defenses dominating? With defenses dominating, let's just say, uh, so we're kind of operating on the same playing field that both teams hit the unders on their implied totals. Okay, because I think there's a difference in the defense dominating and the game going Good wildly point. under the total. Because if a defense... Like, for example, if Los Angeles gets a pick six on the first drive, that actually works in Burroughs' favor. So maybe you would like the defense for sure would be in the optimum. I, it's hard to say just with that information whether it would be captain or if it would be utility, but then you'd certainly want Burroughs stacks. But in just a low-scoring game environment, not necessarily with a defensive touchdown, not necessarily with one of the defenses putting up an elite score, that's where you kind of see these crazy game script, these these crazy constructions win. So – I think we could isolate both of those scenarios. Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about uh, just teams performing under expectations. So not necessarily the defense is dominating, but the offense is underwhelming. Okay. So we actually saw this a few years ago when LA was in the Super Bowl last with the Jared Goff year. I can't remember any points they scored. I don't have off the top of my head, but it was like they only kicked field goals. Am I correct? It was like nine points, six points. It's not, I think that was right. whatever it was, it was like, super low scoring, but I distinctly remember the Millie maker winner did not play either quarterback. And that's because we have to think about how these points are scored and in low scoring game environments, if both teams go under the total and they kick a field goal, a long field goal, the percentage of points that that field goal accounts for in the scope of all the points scored in that game is higher. 
So you're more likely to get a kicker in the optimal lineup. And we see this throughout the year in showdown contests. It's those low total games where we want to start looking at defenses and kickers just because of the security they provide. Again, I'm still probably never captaining a kicker, but in this low scoring game environment, those are the things I want. And the receptions are going to be more valuable, the PPR, just because you have less touchdowns being scored. In those game scripts, less likely to play both quarterbacks, more likely to play raw pass catchers because of the PPR volume, and then certainly more likely to play kickers and defenses. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm just I'm having flashbacks. I was stuck in an airport for Super Bowl 53. And thank you to everyone in chat who reminded us it was 13 to 3 in that riveting Super Bowl uh, with that Sean McVay offense. Yeah, I was stuck in an airport with like the most like inept not understanding football fans and of course there were like 15 Brady jerseys from like the most, you know, you can imagine what they all looked like at this airport. It was not the ideal way to spend a Super Bowl. I'll, I'll tell you that. And, uh, but it, <laughs> uh, anyway, it, it is one of those things where it happens. Teams have the jitters. Teams get nervous. Teams don't play. Their, their first 15 goes out the window early. And basically nothing works here. So I do think it's worth talking about here. I do have to say in this specific uh, matchup. I don't think it's very likely. I think the defense for Cincinnati is one of the most likely units of the, the four big units here that will mess up first. So I think that a big play is probably likely, especially on the Los Angeles side of the ball. But if they really have turned it around for Cincinnati, we have seen Matthew Stafford be quite turnover prone. I mean, it wasn't before, you know, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about is Matthew Stafford in trouble here. He had, what was it? Seven interceptions, including multiple pick sixes over the last three games of the season. Obviously he's looked way, way better since the playoffs started. But, you know, I do wonder if, if there's a situation where if that's the case, you probably want to avoid chase cup for sure. Maybe even, like you said, both quarterbacks, then maybe I'm talking about lineups with like Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Odell Beckham, and then just whatever fits kickers and defenses like that. Does that sound crazy? I think that makes sense. These are just like the craziest environments. It's, I don't want to say like anything goes in these situations, but it's like, what accounts for the most like raw points? Like how do, how do we get, impactful plays in these game environments. So obviously like defenses are probably contributing a lot. And I think that would largely come down to if they score a touchdown or not, but even just turnovers altogether, they're going to be bad for the quarterbacks. They're going to be good for the individual defenses on each side. So again, more likely to maybe avoid a quarterback more, more likely to play just a one-off pass catcher without a quarterback, you know, like these, these uncorrelated lineups, that that's another thing too, that I think we should highlight is when you see uncorrelated lineups win, oftentimes they're in these weird low scoring scoring game environments, because there's just less opportunity for the correlated lineups to, you know, surge ahead of the ones that are uncorrelated or maybe just don't make as much sense. Yeah. And that's a great point actually, because we use correlations as a guide, not because it is law. And especially in a one game slate, especially when you're building like this, when you're building based on a scenario and this, these types of thought experiments are often done by hand builders here. 
then you don't really need to worry about correlation quite as much. We're not saying abandon it entirely, but especially if you're saying, okay, this game is back and forth, but teams fail to score. That means, you know, maybe Evan McPherson is the one who kind of keeps Cincinnati in the game with multiple 50-yard field goals because Los Angeles keeps having better drives and they keep stalling out. And so they're they're up, by, but not a whole lot. And suddenly the game is absolutely going to hit the over, but it remains close here. I actually think Evan McPherson, when you when kickers are available uh, on your platform, is really interesting to me. Um, I don't really know if I'm going to be abandoning the running backs in that scenario, though, but I'm probably less likely to play Joe Mixon. Um, yeah, this one's a little bit tougher, if only because it means multiple people are failing, but it also means that I'm most likely to stay away from the highest salary skill position players if I'm building for this scenario. Yeah, and a lot of times it's going to be the quarterbacks naturally. And the just so happens that these are the environments where quarterbacks don't necessarily perform as well. So I agree with you. But but like you said, for a player, let's use Joe Mixon, for example, because he or Cooper Cup, maybe Cooper Cup's a bad example because he performs well in every situation. So let's use <laughs> Mixon. Mixon to reach his ceiling outcome probably needs at least a score, probably two in order to get there. And then he needs a lot of yardage. In these defensive, heavy, low-scoring environments, they're probably not racking up a lot of points. They're probably not getting a lot of yardage. So what are the chances that like 50% of that comes through Mixon? Probably pretty low. And with everybody underperforming expectations in these sort of game environments, the points that you get from maybe a cheaper Tyler Boyd, a Van Jefferson, whoever it may be, they're a little more impactful here. Completely agree. Completely agree. I, I definitely think that of all the scenarios are breaking down today, this one's the toughest for me to suss out. So uh, I'm going to reserve a little bit more time to think about it, but I agree with everything you just said there. All right, we've got one more scenario to break down here. Uh, Jordan, do you want to do the Hall of Fame in just a minute? Um, yeah, as, as it gets that ready, uh, make sure to give us a like and a subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, much, much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Osmo username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Okay, we've got the Hall of Fame up here. Uh, of course, it's loading on my screen. That's always fun. Here we go. All right. So we start with, uh-huh, bro. So I read Spud Kelly's article on awesomeo.com about past Pro Bowl slates and Bob's your article. Thanks for a great article, Nolan. And honestly, that was an incredible article and an incredible takedown, 50K. Uh, and then we got uh, Emilio, oh, oh. Uh, oh, nice. Boom. Thank you, Awesome.com, Awesome DFS, and Awesome Hall of Fame. Hungry for more. LFG 50K takedown. That's that's incredible. Double 50Ks to start it out. Uh, Chuck Savages. I am the I am the boss, okay? Rejoined Awesome.com 10 days ago, and we're already back to shipping. Shout out to yesterday's show, guys. At Greg Ehrenberg, Eric, Eric Linquist, at Lofty D. And 1,000, a 400, a 500, a 300 takedown. Nice job, Chuck. Then we've got... Uh, who's next? Oh, 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 with the $400 takedown. I'm subbing after doing a test run on your tools. 38,000 entry on a 25 cent contest. How I wish this was a bigger money tournament, but it's just a test. 15 of 20 lineups cash at show bid D, bids, show bids. 
That is awesome. That's why you use the Awesome O tools. Glad to glad to hear we have a new subscriber. And Brian Train, Brian, you're always in the chat here. Very happy to see you at the top of the leaderboards as well. Dr. B Train 007 with a $300 takedown. Finally got one that qualifies thanks to the best tools in the industry. Special thanks to the, the to the best golf crew at Eric Linklist at Jazzraz DFS and DFS Golfer 23. And I guess ship my money DFS now. Y'all are awesome. And then Jordan Clark of course with the shout out there and finally timothy beachler with a 37.50 takedown tied for second in the nascar quarter as usual i'm proud to represent winning cross sport using the great info and tools provided on behalf of the team uh he tags us all there as well congratulations at germantown pc and i saw matt somebody tweeted at us may not be on this board but somebody won 20K after listening to Live Before Lock, thanking you and me and Eric for that show. And we certainly thank Nolan for that article, kind of lining up the top scores from previous years as well. We use that all week long. Yeah, big day for the Pro Bowlers. We, one thing we were debating is, was the edge dead? Were people going to play tight ends? Were people going to play defenses? They didn't. And the subscribers, the listeners, they, they, play, they did very, very well. Unfortunately, it was not me at the top, did not quite come to that correct combination, but congrats to those of you who did. It feels almost as good as winning your own money when you see people tag us. It really does. Uh, almost, almost. No, it's awesome, guys. Really, really great to see it always, and congrats to the winners yesterday. Okay, scenario four, my favorite scenario to think about. I don't know how likely it is, but it is certainly likely with these two offenses. The back and forth shootout. Two passing offenses that are potent. Two quarterbacks that are playing better than they did in the regular season, you could argue, right now. And two defenses that have been on their heels at times this season. This game could absolutely blow over its fairly high total already. If it does, what does that do for the way you're building DFS lineups? So if you just think about the way a shootout has to occur, typically it's through big plays. A lot of times big plays come in the pass game, just more likely through that avenue rather than the run game. And it needs to be more of a back and forth affair. Long, drawn out drives, a lot of running plays. Those kill the clock and lower the score overall. Right now, the total in this game is at 48 and a half. So we're already kind of expecting what appears to me to be an elevated pass rate environment where both these offenses potentially get some scores through the air. But when we talk about big plays that could really open this game up, I think naturally we have to look at Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase, the two premier downfield threats for both of these teams. Maybe you could throw in like a Van Jefferson here. He, he's running these downfield streaky routes. He's just not targeted a lot. So when I'm thinking about these shootout scenarios, I really want to prioritize Cup and Chase in the captain spot and then move from there. Obviously, we want the correlations when they make sense with the quarterbacks and then filling out what's left. But, but right away, when we start building with cup and chase in the captain spot or their signal callers, it kind of lends us to a certain build. So one thing I think we could do to get a little different is maybe look at some four, two stacks some five, one stacks, but we can break that down a little more later. How do you view the shootouts just from a bird's eye view? Absolutely want some Van Jefferson, but if this is a shootout, the idea that one of, if not both of Cooper cup and Jamar chase, aren't producing some sort of tournament tournament winning score seems just outrageously low to me. It just seems crazy low to me. Uh, these players are playing so well 
relative to their age. Of course, I mean, Cooper Cup is having one of the best seasons at the wide receiver position we've ever seen. And Chase is having one of the best rookie seasons we have ever seen. And they are both capable in this game of going completely nuclear. So if this shootout is on, if it's going like this, I just have such a hard time believing one of them didn't show up. I guess T Higgins can be thrown into that mix. Odell Beckham's average depth of target has, has actually been, you know, decent 13 and a half, but that's not like a big play receiver. It, it is very different than cups, average depth of target. He's being used very differently. Cup is at nine uh, just because he gets all that underneath work. But you know, Van Jefferson is sitting there at 13.5. So I don't know in terms of like who is actually the big play option other than Cup. You know, I will have some lineups that take shots at Odell Beckham actually going off here. But I really think that if this game is a big shootout, it's because Cooper Cup went. And so I'm probably going to be overweight in these lineups that build for this scenario. For sure. And I just have a lot of interest in Cup and Chase, particularly in the captain spot. I think when we start breaking down utility, these are the kind of lineups where we don't want as many kickers. We don't want as many defenses. And even with some of the cheap options we have just as alternatives, you know, like Tyler Boyd and some of these other players, they're more likely to outscore the kickers. If we just have all these touchdowns being scored, you know, Boyd scores a touchdown. There's a pretty decent chance he outscores the kickers and the defenses on both sides. Now we always have to factor in salary there. Are, it's a pretty tight salary structure, at least, Right now, I mean, something like a Higby or Nuzoma injury could open this up a little more. We'll have to see if they play. It's very, very early in the week at this point. But if all of the players, the skill position players we're expecting to play make it onto the field, it is going to be tight. So the, the only thing I'll say is perhaps the salary construction forces us away from a stud. But ultimately, I'm trying to play as many skill position players as possible in these shootouts over kickers and defenses. Yeah, and this is when I am building with correlations in mind. Again, not using it as law, but leaning into them even more where like, hey, this salary, uh, this lower salary option fits with this star player. Therefore, now that I have two of those pass catchers, I'm fitting the quarterback with them and going from there with my lower salary plays. Uh, John Campbell asks again, do you simulate all these scenarios to help build your lineups? And that's actually a great question. So we certainly can run our own simulations for these range of outcomes, but we actually have that information available to you in two different ways on awesome.com first in our boom bus tool and our top plays tool. That's exactly what we're doing. When we talk about optimal lineup percentages, we're running simulations and then building lineups off of those simulations and then showing you when they're in the lineup. When you look at our boom bus tool and you see the boom percentage, we are telling you the amount of times in our simulations, they actually hit that optimal score. Same thing, vice versa with the bust score. And if you want to do that yourself with a little more hand control, you can actually do that by getting the fantasy cruncher add on, and you can add randomness to the projections from awesome.com in there, the higher percentage of randomness, the more range of outcomes you're building for. So the general rule of thumb there is as you're building for larger tournaments, increase the amount of randomness. But if you get randomness to say above like 50 or 60%, you're going to want to do some post uh, some post honing because you're going to get some wild lineups if you go that way. But I think one of the easiest ways to go through the boom bus tool, that is our simulations from Osmo.com. And it is one of the most vital tools to you to use here. Now it doesn't necessarily build out these scenarios for you. So that's why I think a show like this is really useful, but I do think that, you know, 
that's something that Osmo is offering at a more granular level than really any other DFS site out there. And the fact that you can do it by hand if you want to go even even further is really awesome if you don't ask me. So, uh, you know, going back to the task at hand, a back and forth shootout is one that I kind of want to build a couple extra lineups for because it's just kind of my hope that we get here. But I actually think that in this scenario, I'm going to be playing uh, more Samaj P. Ryan than I realized just because he just fits in these types of builds. And I realize I am probably not going to have any shootout builds that don't have one of Higgins or Chase. The only thing that's concerning me is salary here, especially if I'm playing Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford. It's going to get really hard. For sure. And P. Ryan would kind of be that avenue that opens it up for you. Bennett Skaronic is maybe a guy that opens it up for you. I mean, he's been horrific, but he continues to see some snaps. And it could be like the game shoots out so crazy with all these studs that just having Skaronic at near the min price is the guy that opens up that construction to you because the kickers and the defenses, they're, they're so far behind in terms of raw score at their price. Maybe it's just you need to go all the way down to Skaronic or Whoever the value option may be, we'll have to watch that as the week progresses. Maybe it's a a Drew sample or something like that, depending on your platform. But overall, I'm with you. Okay, so this is another part where I might get stuck if I'm building this type of shootout lineup and I might get stuck having to look at one of these Rams running backs. It's early. Akers got hurt last week. Do you have any strong feelings about Akers versus Michelle and how this backfield is going to go? Not just in this environment, but in general, before we get out of here. The backfield for the Rams, I think, is the trickiest situation to target and the one we need to monitor the most throughout the week. I think there could be a potential edge here with Akers dealing with the injury. Now, Michelle's not cheap himself. He's kind of firmly in that mid-price range. He's right around Van Jefferson, Boyd, the tight ends, narrowly above the kickers in the defense. However, we had the fumble concerns with Akers. We have the injury concerns now. And then we also got a couple tidbits from Sean McVay that Sonny Michelle was a part of the game plan regardless. He played so well throughout the year that McVay had stated he planned on getting Sonny Michelle some work. Now, kind of hard to break that down, how much work was Sonny originally slated to receive? Was this going to be a 60-30 split, a 50-50 split? We just don't know. McVay just didn't specify that. However, as ownership kind of, coalesces throughout the week we'll see if acres comes in with the full workload in terms of what people are perceiving or we'll see if they do view it as a 50 50 timeshare but ultimately with the uncertainty i want to play it the other way the back that ends up being a little overowned, i i want to lean into this uncertainty and potentially play the other one but ultimately when we talk about these particular game scripts i'll have more pass catchers for the rams i'll have i'll have more pass catchers for the Bengals. i'll certainly be playing more of Joe Mixon just because he is a better workload overall compared to these two. But ultimately I think the ownership game could be what gets you to the Rams backs. Yeah. And in a vacuum, I still kind of want acres. I think they want to use him as a bell cow. If he is at all healthy, um, M- Michelle might be one of those players. I have to plug and play because he makes sense based on the game environment I'm building for, but acres over the last three games has double the expected fantasy points per game than Sony Michelle, a clear sign of what they want to do in the backfield, not necessarily what they will do. Okay. We only got a few minutes here before we get out of here for this. What if show this is really simple, Matt, 
This is the what's going to happen. Let's rank these four scenarios and we'll include a fifth if you want, just just for fun, which is the game acts like the spread. So go ahead and uh, rank. uh, Paul, scenario one is Rams go up early. Scenario two is Bengals up early. Scenario three is a defensive struggle. And scenario four is the shootout. What do you think the uh, how you would rank it from most likely to least likely of those options? All right, I'm, I'm going to leave out play to the spread. That would that would be what I that's put fair. number one because it's it's, sure. it's the spread. I think that's inherently more likely. The 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 one I view is most likely is LA's up and LA's up by multiple scores. Again, these are all alternative scripts, but we've already seen the Bengals go down by multiple scores, and it just took maybe the worst performance of Patrick Mahomes' life for them not to win that game in the second half. So the Bengals ran pretty hot to even be here. Their defense has been suspect. A stat you mentioned at the beginning of the show that I will circle back to is their expected points allowed on defense being the worst. I believe it was either the worst or the second worst among all teams in the playoffs. And somehow they overcame that to make their Super Bowl run. And we know LA can score. So that would be number one for me. Number two, I think is just the opposite Cincinnati coming out on, on top here. Ultimately, I think the game probably plays to the total, but I think it's slightly more likely that Cincinnati is being a little underrated in terms of spread. So I'll go Cincinnati being the team that is out ahead. And then for the last two, I'll play way above the spread three and way under the spread four. We have explosive offenses on both sides. So I just think over the total is a little more likely than under. How would you rank them? I'm very, very similar. I've got Rams going up early, but a back and forth shootout seems very, very close. Neck and neck for me. Those are 1A and 1B. Then the Bengals early lead, then a defensive slog. Uh, I really don't hope, I really hope we don't see another Super Bowl 53. Uh, I, I, it's, super, it's way less likely than all the others, in my opinion, but I, I guess I'm maybe downgrading it because of my biases here. I just think that a shootout is... I think it's happening. I think it's happening. I reserve my right to change it over the course of the week, but I think it's happening here. I bet well, the over. Matt, this, yeah, getting getting way over is. I, is, I bet it already. You did? Oh, yeah, beautiful. I bet the over. I'm I'm feeling great already. That's that's awesome. All right, guys, this has been really fun. This what if game has been really great, Matt. Thank you for taking part in it. We got some great shows for you coming up next. At one, we've got the Odd Shopper Betting Super Bowl Props Show with Aton and Dr. Ben Rasa. And at five, we've got the NBA Deeper Dive and Live Before Lock, leading you up to and through tip-off with Lofty, with Adam, with Josh, and Greg. And of course, Matt and I will be back all Super Bowl week long with all the coverage you could possibly want here on the Awesome YouTube channel and on awesome.com. For Matt, Matt underscore Gajeski on Twitter. I'm Matt Savoka at Draftaholic. We will see you guys next time.